Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, we are on week number four of our series called The Me That I Want to Be. We'll do one more week next week. Uh, I hope that you have found this series to be uh, helpful and enlightening and inspiring. Uh, There is a lot to catch up on uh, that we don't have time really to go through all of it. And so if you missed weeks one through three, uh, invest in your future self and go online and you can listen to that uh, or uh, revealvineyard.com or just get us off of uh, our our, uh, podcast off of iTunes. Um, Let me just kind of quickly reset. Uh, if you've missed uh, what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the me that I want to be. We said in in our mind, somewhere out there in our future self, is the me that I want to be. And we've been calling that me 2.0, right? This is the future version of me. This is the disciplined me. This is the better dad, better mom, better follower of Christ, the kinder and gentler me, right? We all have that that image in our, in our mind of the future me, the better follower of Christ me. The struggle is over here is the me that I see, and that is we've been calling me 1.0. This is the me that needs an upgrade, right? Pretty desperately. In between the me I see and the me that I want to be, we said, is the gap. And the gap is where we all live. We live in between the me that I know that I am, right? The me, the 1.0 version of me, that is the, not the disciplined me, that's the hit the snooze bar six, seven times every morning me, right? That's not the go to the gym me, that's the I love Krispy Kremes me, that's not the, the better dad me, that's the exhausted dad me, right? In between the me I see and the me I want to be is this gap, and the gap is where we live, and the gap is where the tension uh, is, 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 uh, exists between the two. And so we, we kind of, we, we play in this tension. Our challenge is how do we navigate the gap? How do we effectively find traction to move from the me that I see to the me that I want to be? Now, often we think, especially spiritually thinking, that we can close this gap ourselves, right? We said, uh, for Christians, it's not just the me that I want to be, but we said, hey, it's, it's more appropriately should be called the me that I'm called to be, right? And so uh, spiritually speaking, we think, if I could just try hard enough, I should be able to close this gap myself. That through some heroic effort of, on, my, on my own, I should be able to take myself from the me that I see to the me that God wants me to be. And if I just try hard enough, I can make that gap shrink. Week one, we've kind of diffused that idea to say, it's really, spiritually speaking, it really doesn't work like that, right? We, we, we kind of broke that down and we looked at uh, Philippians 1 where Paul says this. We'll put that passage on the screen. Paul says, look, I'm confident of this thing that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is that you didn't start the salvation journey in you, and you can't finish it in you. That it's not within your own effort to close that gap, that the one who started it is the one who needs to finish it. And so we said, look, if you want to close that gap, the first thing we have to begin to do is to stay close to Jesus. Jesus said it like this in John 15. He said, look, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Uh, if, if you remain in me, 
and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, here, here's where Jesus says it, for apart from me, you really can do nothing. What Jesus is saying, that if we're connected, if you stay close to me, I'll close the gap. I'll move you from the me that you see to the me that I have called you to be. Week two, we explored the challenge uh, of in the gap living. And that challenge is uh, how do we maintain focus on those things that matter most? Because the gap will throw all kinds of things our way to where our focus will begin to be divided. And so we, we, we challenged ourselves on that. And one of the things that, w- that we said is that what we focus on, we magnify. That's an I. That what we focus on, whatever you fix your eyes on, you magnify. But then we said whatever you magnify, you focus on. And whatever you focus on, you magnify. And there's this loop that takes place. So in other words, if you focus on your past disappointment, you will magnify that disappointment in your life. And when you magnify that disappointment in your life, you focus on that disappointment all the more. And when you focus on it, you magnify it, and we get caught in this perpetual cycle. What we focus on, we magnify. Focus on the good in your marriage, magnify the good in your marriage. And so we gave some focus points. We said, well, what are some things that we should be focusing on? And we said, well, what if we begin to focus on the good, right? That's Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brother, whatever's true, whatever's right, pure, good, lovely, of good report, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, focus on these things. We said, what if we begin to focus on the future and let go of the past? That we can't step into God's future us if we're living in a self-imposed prison constantly in the past. And then we said, hey, if we're going to focus on anything this year, how about we start to focus on the Savior? How about we fix our focus on the Savior because then we magnify the Savior. And when you magnify the Savior, you focus more on Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus, you magnify Jesus, right? And so there's that cycle. Week three, we said the way forward through the gap is this little word surrender. And we said there's three modes of living that we can all engage in, in the gap. And we said the first one is we could live in this attitude of I want what I want and I want it now. Now, we all had that at one point, especially when we were children. Hopefully we moved past that. But uh, you know, if you've lived under that, I want what I want and I want it now, we all kind of suffered the ramifications and the results of that kind of living. Number two, we could say, well, I want what God wants, but where we say, God, I want what you want, but I'm only going to let you push me so far. And if you push me too far, if, if I cross over the line, if, if you want me to invest too much or, or, or if you're asking too much, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back. And the third one, we said that I want what God wants, period. And we said that third one is where forward movement begins to happen, where we finally surrender our will to the will of God, our creator. Right? Jesus said, pray in this way, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In other words, it's not my will, but I'm living for his will. And so today we're going to continue with this idea of movement in the gap. Uh, and we're going to explore a key factor in the movement, possibly uh, the, the second key factor in movement, second only to, to Jesus. And uh, here, here's, here's what this looks like, maybe a little bit more accurately. Uh, over here, this is right, the me that I see. And really the journey 
it looks more like this. Way back here is the me I want to be, right? This is the 2.0. And there's this, now my artistic ability is stretched here, but this should show depth of a journey going in this direction, right? And, and here's one thing, and if you catch this, you're, you're going to find, you're going to realize something, that, that one of the, the greatest uh, uh, reasons that we move forward in this journey is, is first, is our proximity to Jesus, uh, and the second is, is not the quantity of people, but the quality of people. If you want to move forward in your, from the me you see to the me that you want to be, who you surround yourself with, here's these people that you surround yourself with on your path, who you surround yourself with on this journey, it's not the quantity of people, but it's the quality of people that you will surround yourself with on this journey. And if you find yourself perpetually stuck in the 1.0 version of you, I'd encourage you to look at the people you've surrounded yourself with. And you may discover that the reason we're stuck in the me that I see is because the people that I've surrounded myself with are actually hindering my forward movement and becoming the me that God has called me to be. Someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That someone was probably your mama. And mama knew something, right? She, 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 and, and, and we don't like to admit it, but mama was right. And studies have actually confirmed it. And, and now sociologists and leadership experts tell us that, that you will become the average of your five closest friends or the five people you spend most of your time with. Now, for some of you, that should make you go, <laughs> some of you wives, you're thinking of your five friends, your, your husband's five friends, you're like, oh, this is not going to end well, <laughs> right? You will become the average of your five closest friends or the people that you spend most of your time with. Your mama knows the quality of people we surround ourselves with matter, but before your mama knew it, the Bible knew it. Solomon said this way back in 900 B.C., he said, hey, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. And if you associate with fools, you will get yourself into trouble. Hey, how many stories do we have on the last part of this passage? Well, we surrounded ourselves, well, you know what they were, and got us into all kinds of trouble, right? Because the people that we surround ourselves with matter. Now, in the church, we call this word community. The community that you involve yourself with, the community that you bring around you in the gap, in your journey from the me that I see to the me that I want to be, the community that you gather around you in that gap on that journey will one of the greatest uh, definers of whether or not you move forward in your journey or you perpetually stay hovered around that 1.0 version of you. Who you surround yourself with, your community matters. So let's pray. we got a lot to cover. I'm praying God will inspire us today. Lord, speak. Just speak today, Holy Spirit. Speak into us truth that frees us, that breaks lies, uh, deception, anything that we're holding on to, anything that we think is might be true, or maybe it's true-ish, but it's not ultimate truth 
from the throne of God, the wisdom of God. And so would you move us forward today, forward to become closer to the people that you've called us to be? I pray that we would draw near to the proximity of Jesus now. Your word tells us that when we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. And so we believe the presence of God is coming and will teach and instruct and inform us. As we uh, enter in even to uh, our giving, we want to do so with an attitude of worship. It is a, a way that we place you first, even over this thing called finances that so easily grips us. And so we do so in a way of saying thank you for all that you've given and all of your resources. We pray for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about reasons for community. Uh, One of the reasons that we need community is that community, the people that you gather around you in your gap, it should be mutually beneficial. Now in the animal kingdom we call this a symbiotic relationship. Healthy community when you have the right people around you in your gap, is mutually beneficial, right? It's a symbiotic relationship. It's not a parasitic relationship. A parasitic relationship is where one person benefits and the other person suffers. We call that parenting teenagers, right? (laughs) Kind of how that one goes, right? But a mutually beneficial relationship is where each person is benefiting. There's a giving and a receiving. There's a sowing and there's a reaping. It's important who we surround ourselves with in the gap and that we surround ourselves with people that becomes a community that is mutually beneficial. Here's why. Because spiritual growth or your movement in the gap best occurs in a group effort. Your spiritual growth occurs best when it's a group effort. When you have surrounded yourself with the right community that's speaking into your life, you're speaking into their life, that is when spiritual growth occurs the best. This is what Basil was an early church uh, father, fourth century. And I shared this quote with you before, but it's one of my favorites. I'm going to share it with you again. He said this, he said, when we live in isolation, what we have is unavailable and what we lack is unprocurable. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Let's take that first part. When we live in isolation, what we have is unavailable, meaning that because you've removed yourself from your community, what you have to offer that community, your wisdom, your your knowledge, your understanding, uh, your gifts, your talents, your humor, your support, when you remove yourself from that community, what Basil is saying is that the entire community suffers because you've pulled yourself out of the community. He's saying you have something that that community needs. So whatever your group is in your gap, right, your journey, when you remove yourself from that community, Basil is saying that community is suffering because what you have has now become unavailable to the group and they need something from you. But then he gives the other side of that where he says, and what we lack is unprocurable. So now he says, look, the the group that you should be doing life with in the gap, when you remove yourself, what you have available, what you have is no longer available to that community. But then he says, and what the community has to give to you, you can't get because you've removed yourself from the community. Pastor says, look, you never thought of it like this, maybe, but, but, but when you remove yourself from the community, everybody suffers. 
You're not the only one that suffers, but the community suffers because you have something the community needs. And when you isolate yourself, what the community has, what you need, cannot be given to you because you're nowhere to be found. This is, is, is kind of you know, the same thing that uh, the, 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 the Bible speaks about. Look, if we personalize this, and if Reveal is your church, and you've isolated yourself, meaning you have no community here, here's what this means. That the church is weaker because of it. Because what you have to offer your community is nowhere to be found. And it also means that you're weaker because of it. Because what the people should be giving to you, the very thing that you need, you can't get it because you've isolated yourself. This is what the Bible means when it speaks of this in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul talks about two flawed beliefs about this idea of community. And the first belief he addresses is this idea that uh, I'm not needed, that the community doesn't need me. And he says this, he says, look, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, Paul says, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And then verse 17, he said, if the whole body were an eye, and that would be a scary sight, he said, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, that would be even a worse sight, where would the sense of smell be? He says, but as it is, God arranged the members, that's us, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Here's what Paul's saying. He's look. Everyone is important or everyone suffers. In, in your community that you gather, that you're doing life with, everyone is important. And if everyone is not important, then everyone suffers. Because everyone has something to add to the community. We're all living in the gap. We're all trying to move on this journey. And Paul says, if you think that they don't need you, you're missing the point. They actually do need you. But then he addresses this other flawed uh, uh, thinking of community. And this is uh, first, that first I'm not needed, and then second, that I have no need of you. See, on the other hand, there's some of us who believe in our self-sufficiency or possibly our arrogance that we think, mm, it's, it's, not, it's not that I'm not needed, it's really that I don't need you. I can work this gap myself. Paul says, the I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Listen, if you're in the gap and you think that you don't need anyone, your movement in the gap is probably stalling. And what if the Bible is right? What if by design we need one another? What if we will never get the forward movement we want to get closer to the 2.0 until we get the right people around us. Here's the second part of the uh, idea of community. Go to that next slide if you wouldn't mind. Reasons for community is first, it needs to be mutually beneficial. And then second, second reason for community is we need people who will fight with you. Now, not you know, fight against you, but fight with you. An important component in the gap is gathering the right people around you who will fight with you when the battle comes to your front door. Look at what Ecclesiastes says. He says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two community can stand back to back and they can conquer. 
See, th- th- this is a, a spiritual component that, that we often miss. If you're in the gap alone, and you have no one around you, and if no one is checking in on you, no one is loving you, no one is concerned about you, no one's doing life with you, midway through that journey, you're going to be distracted, you're going to be alone, and the Bible tells us that there will be a predator that will come seeking to take you out. Now, in, in our physical world, and you know, we only relate to, to the material, to the, the things with substance that we can see, but there's a whole other side of this. Here, here's what it says in First Peter. He says, hey, be sober-minded and be alert, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen, you do not want to be isolated when the lion comes for you. And I fear that some of us, we've kind of had this idea that I can go it alone. I'm an island unto myself. And there's a predator, a spiritual component, right? There's a good God and there's a bad devil. The Bible's very clear. His plan is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that if he comes for you and you have no one to fight with you, I fear that you will not win that fight. Because you really were never created designed to do that fight alone. This means that we need people around us with an attitude that says, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. See, I do have some people, thankfully, in my life that says, if, if, if Satan comes against me, you're just not coming against him, you're coming against all of us because we'll fight this fight together. And if you have no one in your life that will fight with you, you're in a dangerous place. You need a community that when the enemy comes will not roll over and whimper, but will stand up and say, back to back, we fight this thing together. And we will get you through this season of life. Listen, you cannot fight the cancer, the line of cancer alone. You shouldn't have to fight that alone. You shouldn't fight for your marriage alone. You don't fight for your family and finances alone. You shouldn't fight the lion uh, of temptation alone. Getting the right community around you may mean staying in 1.0 or moving to the person that you're called to be. So we're going to need someone, uh, a group around us who will fight with you. And at times you're going to need someone who will simply fight for you. There will be times in life when you will not have the ability to fight for yourself. You'll be worn out. You'll be knocked down. You may have been swinging tired for the last year, and suddenly you have nothing left. You will need someone around you who says, if you can't fight, I will pick up the sword, and I will fight for you. And if you have no one that can fight for you when you're exhausted, and when you're ready to die you may not make it out of that season of life. Let's let's unpack this a little bit. Mark 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home, and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. Now, this is not an uncommon occurrence. Wherever Jesus went, large crowds followed. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now understand something. These four guys carrying around this paralyzed man on a mat were just not out for a Sunday stroll. 
right? Somebody heard Jesus was in town. Someone said, hey, let's get the other three. Let's get together. Let's go get our friend, you know, Paul, the per- paralyzed guy, whatever his name was, and let's get him. And they're like, Paul, gather your stuff because we're going to see Jesus. And they carry him to Jesus. Four guys and a paralyzed guy on a mat. And they try to take him to Jesus, but the place is packed. And they try to get in the front door and they can't even get in the front door. And then someone says, let's go around the back door. We're going to try the the window in the back. And so they carry their paralyzed friend and they go around back and the window's packed. There's people hanging out of it and they can't even get close. And and, 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 and it seemed pretty hopeless. But four friends realize something that if we do not fight for him, his situation will never change. He can't fight for himself, right? He's a paralyzed guy. He's not getting through the crowds of people on his own. And if, 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 if his friends don't fight for him, nothing is going to change. I suppose they could have done what most of us would have done. We would have kind of hung our head and maybe kicked the dirt and said, well, it was, it was a good try. Maybe if we got here earlier, found out sooner, maybe we would have been able to get him in. Maybe the paralyzed friend was, guys, I really appreciate you even trying. It means a lot to me. Just take me back home. Look, look, look what happens when you have someone who will fight for you. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his, above his head, and then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. See, sometimes we need people in our life who says, I'm not going to allow you to die on your mat. Not on my watch. I will fight. I'll fight with you. And when you can't fight for yourself, I will fight for you. Maybe these guys would watch their friend in a paralyzed state their entire life, dependent upon the kindness of strangers, begging for his next meal day after day, trying to stay alive. And however it happened, four ordinary friends became four crazy friends. And one of them had, had this idea that if we can't get him through the door and we can't get him through the window, let's take him up on the roof. I can see the paralyzed guy saying, uh, this doesn't sound like a really good idea. And they're like, what do you have to lose? Are you going to fall and get hurt? It's like, what? And so they tie a rope around his neck, and they're pulling, I don't know how they pull them up, but, right? And so they take this guy up on the roof, and, 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 and Jesus is inside, he's teaching the word of God, and suddenly the roof begins to cave in, and there's mud, and there's hay that's falling, and you know the people in the house are like, oh, I know what's happening, this Jesus is about to do a miracle, he's going to raise the roof. Now forget about that one, and, right? And so the, the, the roof starts to cave in, and some guy's head sticks through, like, how, like did, we, did we hit the, my measurement was, it's like, we're, we nailed it, right? We're right over Jesus. And so they tear back the roof, and suddenly this paralyzed guy is lowered down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, you guys are amazing. Your faith and your tenacity and, 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 you know, all, all, and, and actually heals the man. Look at, look at what it says in verse 11. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And so he got up, took, uh, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen a paralyzed man walk, nor have we seen a paralyzed man drop through the roof. We've never seen anything like this ever. Now, picture this. I, I you know, try to get, get into the, the, the first century writers here. Five or, or four men climb into the room, but five men are walking out. I mean, it had to be one of those awe-inspiring, amazing moments. And you know they were walking out just a little bit cocky at that point. They're like, you're just jealous that you didn't think about it. 
right? Walking by the owner of the home. No charge for the skylight. Huh? Huh? Labor's free on this one, right? You catch me on the next one. Right? They're high-stepping, walking out of there. The guy walks, goes in, a, par- a paralyzed guy, uh, and, and walks out completely healed. Now listen. Some of us, I fear, are paralyzed on the mat. And you're paralyzed by fear or sickness or sin or circumstances or bad news or the what ifs. You're paralyzed by guilt and shame and depression and loneliness. And you're on your mat and you're just waiting to die. And you don't even have the energy to fight for yourself anymore. And you need to find someone who's going to come alongside of you and say, I'll fight for you. I'll fight this battle for you. What, what you need, some of us, more than a night out, more than a good sermon, more than a new sermon series, more than a self-help book or a counseling session, what some of us need are four crazy friends who will not quit until you get through this difficult season of life. What some of us need more than anything is four crazy friends who will get their hands dirty and get themselves bloodied and not be afraid to get down in the mud and the muck and the mire and say, I'll fight with you, I'll fight for you until we get you out of this. And if you lack that, I'm concerned for you. Because there's a spiritual component. You realize that when you're here, there's a spiritual enemy that's not happy. And if you're alone with no community around you in your journey, in your gap, I'm concerned. Some of us need four crazy friends that will tear the roof open to get you where you need to be. Four crazy friends that will speak the truth into your life when no one else will speak it. Four crazy friends that says, look, I love you, but you are deceived right now. You are missing God's best for you. Four crazy friends who will stand by you when the lion comes against your house. Four crazy friends that will stand with you when someone in your family dies who's not afraid to get a little snot on their shirt. Some of us need four crazy friends. And um, hey, if you're looking for crazy, this is a great church to find crazy. Because we crazy from the top down. Let me share a story with you before we go of uh, one of our members who found themselves in a very difficult uh, situation with a family member who passed. And she reached out to her mom's group and the difference uh, that they made. On Wednesday, December 6th, I was busy getting my daughter ready to go to the dentist, also getting everything organized to take my brother and his fiance for their monthly shopping trip. The phone rang and it was my brother's fiance and I'm thinking, oh crap, my brother's canceling on me again. So I answered the phone to my brother's fiance hysterical saying that my brother passed and my heart stopped and I had to have her repeat it multiple times 
and she let me know that it was for sure that the paramedics called it at 9.08 a.m. and that he was gone and that she needed me there. I've never really had anybody this close to me pass away unexpectedly. I was one listed as next of kin by my brother's fiance. She couldn't do anything because they weren't married. So it was up to me to do everything. And the support I thought I might, that I would get from my father who lives here was not there. So I felt like I didn't know what to do. So my first call was to John, my husband, and I got his voicemail, which meant he was in a meeting. So then I had to text him. And then after that, I called my sister who actually answered. And it was shock um, and disbelief because she was also heading over to spend the day with us. Not having ever gone through this before, I was very, very overwhelmed. And I had always been taught that it was weakness to ask for, for help. But I decided I just couldn't do it on my own. So after I reached out to my mom's group, I had asked for some help with some snacks and drinks and they went above and beyond with their support and just the prayers and the emails and text messages and calls checking on me really just helped me through a dark time and when Missy came over she was the first one who came over with all the snack food it was very overwhelming. It just really moved me that people cared about me and my family so much. And then when Shauna came over the next day, my entire mom's group had filled filled my entire kitchen table plus full of food and drinks and flowers and love. It, it just brought, brought me to tears how much these women care about me My brother's death has been one of the most difficult times of my life. If I didn't have my mom's group, I don't know what I would have done. They made it so that I didn't have to worry. They just came in and helped. And it was such a blessing to me and it made this really difficult time in a way easier because I had people I could fall back on and people I could I could lean on. I am Karen Tomko and this is my story. I appreciate Karen being vulnerable and sharing uh, her story uh, with us and Listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to find some community. Because let's be honest, community doesn't happen like this, right? 
It's easy to walk in, smile, easy to walk out. And so starting next month, uh, all of our groups are meeting again. Hopefully you received something inside your bulletin. There's a snapshot uh, of, uh, off of our website, horrible resolution. I apologize for that. Um, but you need to find a group. You need to invest somewhere with some people that they would get to know you, you would get to know them, and there would be a mutually beneficial relationship that is beginning to occur. Look, we have women's groups, we have men's groups, we have a father and son group about uh, raising uh, boys in our day and age. What does that uh, look like? We have family groups. If you want to bring your children to a group, they go to a family group. They have potluck and, and you, know, you all eat together and then uh, the adults and the children's break up. We have a young adult group. We have uh, Skylar and Justine are doing a group on prayer. If you're looking for something uh, with a little bit more spiritual substance, you're going to have to drive a little bit for that group. It's out in Arrowhead, but come on, you drive 10 minutes, big deal. Uh, invest in your own spiritual well-being and invest in your group. The Folsteads have a group that's, that's running. There's uh, you know, Saturday groups that are going on for photography. And um, On Wednesday nights, we have what we call Wednesday Night Life. And so if you don't want to go to a group but meet someone's home, uh, starting in February, the first Wednesday, you can see it right here, uh, the first Wednesday is our men's and women's groups. And so the men meet in here around tables. The women meet in the elementary room. And there's specific teaching directed towards men and women. We have child care for that. I think it's $3. It's cheap. If you can't afford that, see me. We'll you know, figure out a way for, for you not to have to pay anything. And then on the second and third Wednesdays, uh, we have just regular groups, little pockets that will meet around the church. And we will discuss Sunday sermons. So if we were meeting this Wednesday, which we're not... Uh, but if we were meeting this Wednesday, we would have groups and we'd have questions to talk about the message today. You could have input. We dig a little bit deeper and you will begin to find that spiritual growth happens best in groups. And so find a home group, find a group that meets here on Wednesday, invest in yourself because who you gather around you in the gap on your journey could be the difference between staying in the me that I see, or moving towards the me that you are called to be. Join me as we pray. Would you stand with me? We have one more week in this series. Uh, next week, we're going to close this out with how we deal with uh, trials and disappointment in the gap, uh, the part that our trials and disappointment uh, uh, play uh, in the gap. Uh, and it's going to be wrapped. It'll be, it's going to be a strong message wrapped around a lot of good times with the uh, with the football series. So I hope you're inviting somebody. Uh, we put a lot of time and energy uh, into this, and it's because we're trying to provide a safe space for you to invite someone uh, that they could find some community, and more than that, that they can find Jesus. And that's why everything. That's why we do what we do. It's not just so we can have a good time for an hour and five minutes. We want to bring people to a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Join me as we pray. So Lord, uh, today what lies in the balance is our future. And our future is going to depend upon our proximity to Jesus, first and foremost, but then it will depend upon the people that we gather around us while in the gap. And that community of people that we gather around us, that we do life with. And I pray today that we would make the decision to not remove ourselves from community.
For not only do we suffer, but community suffers. And so today, if, for some of us, it's going to take a minor miracle that you would change our thinking, that we would invest in a midweek group with all the crazy and all the busyness and everything we have going, that we're going to carve out time to begin to invest in a community that we can begin to do life with one another. This doesn't happen quickly. It takes time. But with time and with patience and with seeds of love, incredible things happen. And so I want to pray that there would not be anyone in this church who falls through the cracks. I pray there would be no one who goes through a season of life and... uh, They have to go through it alone because the church is unaware. But in order for that to happen, we need to take ownership of that to place ourselves in the midst of community. And so begin to build that in us. Begin to reinforce our need for it. And for some of us, maybe we've had community in the past, but we've stepped out of it and you're calling us to step back in. And we want to say yes to that. Lord, let 2018 be a year of growth and a year of movement. Not that we would stay right around that 1.0 version of ourselves and nothing ever changes. There's no transformation. There's no life difference within us. And so we say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, don't be late next week. I look forward to spending some time uh, with you, and uh, it's going to be a good time. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you just to say hello, or if you need prayer, please let someone pray for you. God bless you guys.